We have arrived. We have arrived. Tonight's drink is in, uh, this is for Alan, who had commented on how I don't drink anything. I just drink air. But in reality, it's actually mainly clear drinks like water or watered down soda or something. But I've had uh, Hennessy the last few shows, or I should say since the beginning of the shows. But tonight I am going to drink my favorite vodka, which is Tito's. And I'm going to pour a drink as you guys view. And then my favorite vodka drink usually includes some kind of a Bloody Mary. But tonight, since it's 11 o'clock at night, Pacific Standard Time, I'm going to go with the vodka Red Bull, uh, the upper and the downer. Because <laughs> we need it tonight, baby. We need it. We need it. Tonight's game had an equal amount of excitement and despair. The Lakers lost to the Clippers tonight, 127 to 116. And the Lakers did something that they usually do towards the end of the game, and that's not come through. And the frustration in that part of the game has slowly started to take its toll, at least with me, because it's just getting to the point where uh, are you going to get through this, this barrier that just that just keeps coming at you? Uh, LeBron James being out is insignificant because this stuff happens even when LeBron is playing. And it was it was it was a frustrating feeling seeing that 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 little tease right. And usually the Lakers tease when they're down like fifteen or twenty points, right? But they were pretty, you know, they were they were pretty close pretty much the entire game. I know they went down. Uh, I think down, I think they might have gone down to about seventeen point deficit. But that was early in the game. And in today's NBA, seventeen point leads in the first half might as well be seven point leads from twenty years ago. At least that's how I look at it. And from that, they started coming back. Things were starting to get close right around that sweet spot in the fourth quarter. And then everything crashed down. And therefore, it warrants a sip. Here's for you, Henry. I'll drink one for you as well. Uh, Darren, tequila is for special occasions. Uh, And it usually includes... Some kind of a chaser. I'm not a big tequila guy. Again, it depends on if it's Patron. I know Cuervo is not really one of my favorites, but I'll drink it if I have to. Uh, Silver Patron is probably the go-to if I need to at a normal bar. If there's an exotic one, obviously those will taste better, but those are few and far between. But um, the Lakers are back under 500. They're going to face Chicago uh in a couple of days here and we're likely going to see LeBron come back. I still haven't gotten any word on why the Lakers decided to sit LeBron for this game and play him for the Portland game. If anybody found found something out with yesterday on on why did something flare up? I'm pretty good in, in, in finding that kind of information, but I wasn't able to find anything. Or was LeBron not wanting to exert himself? Because we've discussed how the Lakers seem to play like they've, you know, like they're 20 games over 500, like they've, you know, they've, they've clinched something. 
I don't know where this mentality comes from. Uh, nothing like a loser mentality at, at, at the heart of everything, thinking that they're thinking like winners. For you to think like winners, you need to start winning more than a couple games at a time. And uh, unfortunately, the Lakers are going to have to start a new winning streak, if you can call it that, starting in two days against Chicago. And then it's Grammy trip time. So with that, what is our prediction? Because that's how we have to play this out, right? What is our prediction for the last game before the Grammy trip? Chicago Bulls are not necessarily a juggernaut. So will the Lakers play like they played against Portland? Or will it be like the way they played against Brooklyn? Because we don't know. Uh, If they end up losing in two days, what does that mean? Because I have a pretty good feeling that the Grammy trip is going to be the decider in terms of where this team's going to go at the end of the season. But would we find out in two days if they lose to Chicago at home? It's a legit question. Wouldn't mind seeing what the answer to that would be from the Laker fandom. But the other question that we're having now is what kind of trade? Because it's the noise is starting right now. What kind of trade are the Lakers looking at? What trade would work? What trade would enhance this team? And there's a lot of us that are thinking D'Angelo Russell for a one-on-one trade is likely going to be a lateral move at best. We still need someone who can control the ball, dribble the ball, and shoot. And D'Angelo's been doing very well there at the moment. Will it be Austin Reeves? Does do the Lakers want to give up on Austin Reeves? Well, it would it would help if we could get someone who could play some defense. Uh, Torian Prince, will he be included in some kind of a deal, or do we need that three point shooting when when we do have the luxury of getting it? Uh, the problem with the Lakers in the end here is <laughs> unless somebody does them a favor, unless Polinka can find a fellow GM that would give Doom a solid here, and I don't know who it would be. Uh, it's not likely the Lakers will improve. They'll likely maybe, maybe be able to replace a certain player to trade to where maybe they'll get a little bit better, but this, this team doesn't know how to win as a team when it matters. It's very rare that they come through when it matters. I have watched all the games, and I can't remember a game where I was just like, wow. They really put the foot down on the throat and really sent these guys home. So, yeah, it's it's a frustrating it's frustrating to look at your team, a team that you support, the team that you 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 back up from all the uh, anti Laker people and say, no, 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 we're good. You're saying that because you're trying to defend the Lakers, but deep deep in your heart, man. They're probably right. They just don't have enough of the it factor. And that it factor, not being there when you have an AD and a LeBron is just tragic. It really is. I 
I, I, I think that's probably what hurts the most, honestly. It's it, it, you have two great players, two players that are going to be playing as starters on the West uh, with the in the Western Conference uh, All Star team. Yet we're, we're we're sitting here at one game under five hundred, almost with almost January finishing here. And one more week until January is finished. So I don't know. I'm I'm. <sighs> Taking it game by game, like I said, and uh, the stuff that's going on in Milwaukee at at, at this point, uh, it's kind of interesting how that's kind of playing out. I I secretly, in the back of my mind, and I didn't tell anybody this, I secretly was thinking uh, about a month ago about this same scenario where, and I know Doc Rivers isn't a, a popular choice. I know Doc Rivers has struggled mightily in clinching games in, in, in the playoffs, probably the worst coach when it comes to closing out teams. But in all honesty, in all honesty, can you argue that he's not a better coach than Darvin Ham? Would you rather not at least give that a shot or would have given that a shot? If you had asked me, I would have said yes. It would have been worth giving Doc that shot that's obviously not going to happen. It's looking like Milwaukee might be doing that now. And we'll obviously be cheering for Milwaukee at this point because if the Lakers are not going to have any shot at winning a championship, the Laker fandom needs as many teams to get in front of the Celtics before that becomes a scary situation. Uh, and that's kind of how that goes. Um Let's see here. What are you guys asking? At least Griffin didn't go two and ten. Well, that was last year, Jay. Jay, I don't, I don't know if that's the same. I think the issue with Darvin Ham <laughs> is just uh, two and ten or not. I, I just it doesn't matter. I mean, we we were this, we had the same record coming into the new year as we did last year. So at this point, two and ten. Whether you start two and ten or start, I don't know, five and five. Or five and seven, uh, you still ended up at the same record almost halfway through the, the this season. So it doesn't really matter. Carbon Raj shot over Darwin at this point. You guys are all comedians tonight. What other jokes do you guys have tonight? Anybody having a drink with me? Uh, for those of you coming late, I have Tito's vodka and uh, this sugar-free Red Bull. I don't know about sugar-free Red Bull. Might as well go all the way with it, no? Or does your heart start to pound? I know some friends of mine have that issue, especially with Coke. Intel whiskey's my go-to when I'm with the crew. It's usually some kind of a honey jack with a mixer. Uh, we'll we'll drink that till the till the night is over, uh, until we pass out, basically. Now I don't get drunk. But you do get relaxed enough, and as the as the as the moon gets brighter, uh, it, it's it's a, it's a good uh, sleeping pill, if you will. <laughs> good good for you, Darren. Now, uh, I, I think I think Sean might have fell asleep again. He was supposed to be on with me tonight, but looks like I'll be going solo again. Yeah, tequila is more of a party. It's like a party drink, you know. You're at the bar. You're 
maybe you're you have a get together and you you know you got a couple people like when we were watching the college football playoffs uh, we all took shots uh, a couple shots more than a couple actually uh, while we were watching games and preparing or the tailgates and all that it it's that I want to get that buzz and I want to get that feeling like right away and that's when you do tequila as far as just regular drinks like mixed drinks like vodka and and Red Bull or or, or whiskey on, on, on with a mixer. Those are let's chill and let's get our buzz on slowly. Um, I just wish uh, there was a kick, some kind of a kick, like the Lakers could have a kick maybe at the end of games that could get them over the hump. But unfortunately, uh, we're not getting there. Do you think Adrian Griffin will find another job? I, I don't think he should. I, I think Adrian Griffin was a terrible hire from the beginning. I didn't know much about him. I mean, I know who he is. I remember him playing in the NBA, but I had never seen anything that warranted him being a great coach. And there's a lot of guys out there that that we haven't seen that end up becoming good coaches, first-year coaches, you know, uh, guys like uh, Amy Udoka, uh, Hardy in, in, in Utah. Uh, but there's there's usually some kind of connection with those guys and you're like, okay, he learned under this particular coach. I think there might be something good there. But I don't know why they got Griffin. I really don't. Uh, I, I think the sign was was bright pretty early that it was a bad hire when Terry Stotts got kicked out, what was it, a month in. And uh, at this point, the Milwaukee Bucks have to preserve whatever they got right now because if they don't, I believe if the if, if Milwaukee doesn't win a championship this year and maybe next year, you might start seeing some rumblings in the Giannis camp. There was already some rumbling going on, and then them acquiring Dame Lillard kind of stopped that. But even after they got Dame Lillard, this looked like Giannis has been kind of on edge this year. And I had commented on this in the postgame uh in the post-game uh, video uh, right after the game uh, where Giannis is starting to get to that point where he's he's starting to get burnt out a little from the hoopla around being a professional athlete. Uh, similar to kind of how Patrick Mahomes is getting a little bit more negative negativity towards him because of his attitude or his reactions to certain things. Giannis is starting to get like that too. Now, whether it'll get to uh, a level where the audience or just the regular general fan base will start to not like Giannis, I don't know. I don't know if it'll get there, but uh, but the losing will add to that. And if his temperament goes with that, then it, it could very well be a problem for him. Now, that's good for us in the future because. The Lakers have had a habit of, you know, being the team that certain players want to go to when they're disgruntled, AAD, um, in a trade, LeBron when he left Cleveland and came as a free agent. Um, I wouldn't say Pagasol was disgruntled, but he was tired of losing in uh, in Memphis. We were able to get him. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. And then even to some degree, Shaq. Shaq wasn't feeling valued in Orlando, ended up, being valued in LA and you know, you know, that history. 
would have been better option than him. Yeah, Terry Stotts would have probably been the best hire uh, in terms of coaching. The problem with Terry is he's not really a good defensive type coach, which uh, with a team that doesn't have really good defenders, I don't know how that would have played out. Uh, usually a LeBron-centric team is – it's very similar to kind of like a Peyton Manning type type offense where you just kind of let LeBron play the LeBron offense. Peyton played his kind of offense, and then you took care of everything else. And Terry Stotts is just not I, – I don't know if that's what they needed. What they should have done was they just should have kept Frank Vogel. I think that was – a mistake that 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 is still a problem. The Lakers had way too much turnover when they didn't have to. And they should have just rolled with what they had. They had depth. They could have signed their own guys, the same guys that they developed, guys like Alex Caruso, guys like Kuzma, guys like KCP who they brought in. Didn't think they were going to get that kind of player, but he ended up being better than we thought, which was great. And 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 you had Austin Austin uh Reeves, whom you brought in as a as a free agent, you had you had guys that you were developing. You had guys that became productive guys. You just work off that. But they were they just unfortunately they just were impatient and were too busy reacting to what other teams were doing, i.e., Brooklyn getting Harden. And you know, LeBron's got to take some blame on that too, because word is he was pushing for that. This is Raphael from NBA DraftJunkies.com. And you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Bring me all of the Star Trek all of the time and I will be an incredibly happy girl. Even if it's terrible. It's like pizza. Bad pizza is still pretty good because it's pizza. Bad Star Trek is still pretty good because it's still Star Trek. That's the way that I look at it. Just let it sit in the refrigerator for a day and be cool. That's it. Yep. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. So another reason why you never let players dictate the organizational decisions in terms of bringing in talent. Because players typically react like fans react. If you don't believe me, just look at Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson is a basketball savant. Michael Jordan is a basketball savant. But when you put them in a room to be executives, to make decisions on who to draft, who to acquire, what player would work best on the team, you'd see a lot more failure than not. Because that's a whole different ballgame, folks. It's a whole different ballgame. These guys are not in the gyms. They're not analyzing. They're not watching these guys, how they move, how they go left, how they go right, how their personalities are going to develop with a particular team. So, again, guys, there's there's just because you're good at something in this space, in the same realm, doesn't mean you're going to be good over here. You know, Laker fans, we we got spoiled in our life. Jerry West was a great player. He was a great player. GM executive that just does not happen it's very very rare that those two align like it did for Jerry West most great players don't coach well and don't executive well it's just what it is 
Great players have a completely different mindset. Great players think that an ordinary guy should be like them. That's the that's how their brain was like, look, get the ball over here at this time. And that player can't do what they do. That's why they're magic. That's why they're Jordan. That's why they're birds. They can't. That's another one, by the way, bird that that wasn't in it long enough. He knew, but he was there long enough to to make a make an impact. Was executive of the year, coach of the year. I think he's the only NBA basketball player that's ever ever won an MVP as a player, an MVP as a coach, and an MVP as an executive. So salute to Larry, the Larry legend, man. Great, great, great all-around guy in every way. Uh, Eric, Pat Riley wasn't a great player. Pat Riley was a role player, and in some cases not a good role player, according to reports from Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain was quoted that Pat Riley was one of the worst players he'd ever seen. Uh, Phil Jackson was kind of the same way in terms of, uh, I think he was a little bit better than Pat when, when he was in his prime, but not by much. Most role players are the ones that end up becoming good coaches. Uh, guys like Bill Russell coached as well. Didn't, you know, did okay. Obviously, he, he was a player, a player coach for um, for Boston on their last two championship teams. And then he, I think he coached in Sacramento uh, uh, as well, but you know, again, great players, very difficult to get that. Well, look who decided the show. What are you eating there? It's a fruit salad, brother. Fruit salad. I, um, I decided to get vodka tonight. Okay. In honor of, uh, Alan who All said, right. drink, I drink nothing. So, <laughs> Vodka is a clear drink, but I did put in some uh, sugar-free Red Bull. Okay. And I, it's not my – I didn't pick the sugar-free. That was just what was in the, free, in the, the you, fridge. Um, did you gar- garnish it with a lemon? No, I, I don't I don't go that far with this. I typically don't drink this unless it's like the last resort. Uh, but I did want to change it up a little bit. I do like Tito's uh, vodka. That's my favorite vodka. Uh, I like it with really good Bloody Mary mix. That's that's the key. So I grew up with uh, a lot of Polish and Russian friends. And I remember the first time I drank vodka, I made that that face you make when you like try lemon heads for the first time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my friend Alex, uh, his dad's name was Igor. And Igor was from like legit Soviet Union. He's like, Sean, I saw that face you made. Vodka is not your drink. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I, you know, the thing is with drinking, it's an interesting, it's an interesting activity. So I grew up with a household that didn't drink a lot, which is weird because my grandfather, my father's father, was a drinker. My dad's brothers, two brothers, were drinkers. What was his um, What was his uh, vice? What did he like? Rum? Uh, I don't know what my grandfather drank regularly, but I know my uncle loves wine Mine's so much good. so that he became red or di- white. He became a diabetic from it, huh? Red or white? Red. Okay. Uh, 
and 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 it was I, I don't know if it was a coping mechanism i don't know if it was hereditary I, you know again that 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 that's an argument we can have forever on that but my father did not like to drink which was hilarious too because the two times i saw him drunk he was the funniest man i've ever met in my life so if anybody needed to drink it was my dad cuz he was hilarious my mother eh, didn't drink a lot so we grew up or we grew up my sister and i grew up and we we just you know i i, I didn't have a like i didn't drink until i was 17 and i i remember i got drunk at in in, in puerto vallarta uh with a couple of guys that were like a, a, an hour away from where where i lived so it was kind of cool we went there for a family trip uh hung out with a bunch of guys from Sacramento because I used to live in a town called Turlock and had a great time. And then I ended up making out with this really hot blonde in, a, in an elevator. <laughs> and um, But I was like my first experience with drinking and getting drunk. And then when college hit, it was the same thing. Like I would get drunk and, you know, it was okay until the, the one drink that, that from – that I haven't done before and since, which was jungle juice. Mm. Now this jungle juice, I was at the UCLA campus and they had mixed this stuff in. And I remember one of the, my fraternity brothers had made the, a, a jungle juice called the incredible Hulk. And he had mentioned that, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. So there was a little bit of a warning there. But it was called the Incredible Hulk. I didn't. It didn't dawn on me at the time. I was nineteen that the Incredible Hulk was a version of a Jungle Juice. So when when I went to UCLA, when I was at the UCLA house, um, I I heard about this Jungle Juice, and you know, got a got a cup, and this stuff tasted like Cherry Jolly Rancher, which is my favorite non chocolate candy. It was amazing color ranchers are good didn't eat that day and it was late evening right just by luck i didn't eat that day and i drank i don't know how much of this stuff i'm sitting there and i'm going after about an hour i go oh my god what the hell is going on with me i i i I nudge my buddy john i go john i am oh (laughs) he goes yeah man yeah me too i'm like no i am like it's getting bad. You let you go don't outside, like the lack out, of control, goes, eh, Joe? He goes, go outside, go outside, go get some air. So I go out in the balcony, which is hilarious too, because in the in the red book of the fraternity, UCLA campus has a picture. Some of the campuses would they had a list of all the campuses that Theta Chi was on. That's what Ox's Theta Chi. And I I remember that. UCLA was one of the few lists on the list that had a picture of their of their their house. And in that picture is the balcony. So I actually went out on that balcony and passed out. I did not know and I did not feel the the passing out. So I pass out. I wake up in the chapter room. No freaking idea how the hell I got down there. No idea. No memory. The only time in my life I didn't have a memory of how the hell I got somewhere. Blackout. So I get up for a second and I'm I'm like, what the how the hell where the hell am I? 
there's a couple of guys there, and I think one of the guys that I knew, and they were talking. So I'm sitting there laying down like this, and I'm going, okay, okay, I know it's Jason. Okay, Jason, okay, good. It's Jason, and then I think these guys are, you know, the, the UCLA guys. Okay, so I'm sitting there, I'm laying down, I'm like, okay, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Next thing I know, I pass out again. This time I wake up in one of the bros' room, who was nice enough to lend me their bed, and I got, I woke up to the to the the the, the cracking of the stairs because the stairs were above me, and it was just like in the movie. You you do one of these where you're like you're laying down, you don't know where you are again, and I do one of these, and I'm like, oh, I mean, it's like a vice, like a casino. I felt like. I felt like Tony Dogs was just a vice was just like this. Shit. And I get up and I'm like, motherfucker, what the hell is this? I go into the kitchen. I eat like four cups of ramen to see if I could just eat something to get this monstrosity out of my head. And of course, that day we had to go to the beach. And that was an adventure. We went to the beach. It's hot as hell. And the sun is hitting my head. And I mean, for six hours, it was like six hours of hell. And everyone was like kind of sort of laughing at me or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm, I'm never going to drink again. I'm never going to do that again. And then after about six, I think it was right around three or four o'clock that, that evening, it finally started to wear out. And I'm like, man. Whatever the hell that was, I'm never drinking anything that says jungle juice in it. So here's the getting conquered by alcohol. Do you, one, do you know why? <clears throat> do you know why hangover feels that bad, Joe? Why? So human beings have something called the Krebs cycle. And when you have a hangover, you don't have enough water in your body and it disrupts it. That makes sense. So I'll drink to that. So <clears throat> dying of thirst is pretty much the equivalent of the worst hangover that bloody well kills you. Wow. That that makes sense because when you don't have a lot of water during the day, I, you get that headache, right? You know who you know uh, a beautiful mind is a great movie, and Paul Bettany, who's his imaginary friend, basically tells him that <laughs> That's pretty good. I remember that. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. I wanna I wanna thank Intel Wild for the uh for the super chat. So yeah, it's basically an interruption of the Krebs cycle, which is that really makes, important. That makes sense. And I want to thank uh Sheed Black for the super chat as well. Uh you know, I, I in get in getting back to, to to the Lakers here, uh Sean, I had mentioned a few details from tonight's game uh before you got on. I uh we're we're probably, I would say we're probably three, you know, we, we very well could be two to three weeks away from getting an idea on what, how this is going to end. Because I, I, I just don't see how, I don't see how after February 15th, whatever day it is for the deadline, I think it's the 15th, uh, I don't see how they're going to switch into something else, especially if they don't do anything, between February 15th and and April 15th. I just don't see it. And even if they did, is it going to matter when it when they're 
playing against the elite teams. That's that's the other problem. Because if you don't have a strong coach and you don't defend well, I just don't see how LeBron's prowess and Hades' prowess are going to make up the difference. I don't think so either, Joe. It's, um, there was an interesting stat uh, a few days ago. Since the IST, AD is a minus 95, and LeBron is a minus 120. So we had trouble enough trying to win the minutes when those guys were off the floor. You're not winning the minutes with them on the floor. You're effed in the A. You are effed in the A. It's just, it's just that simple. Even with a 39-year-old LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis, who, by the way, Anthony Davis is dealing with an injury that's significantly more impactful than LeBron. LeBron has ankle tendonitis. AD has Achilles tendinopathy, bilateral Achilles tendinopathy. So it, it's almost like it's um, it's kind of a nuclear reactor right now, Joe, that's getting really loud. That's what it feels like. It feels like the meltdown is close. Well, anytime you, anytime you hear something going on with the Achilles, uh, you start to get PTSD from the Kobe situation. And I will say this, on a, a nightcap when the uh, weather is nice, I'm going to give a tutorial on how to smoke a premium cigar. Well, let me let, let me let me uh, thank Intel Wild and answer his question first. Thank you again for the super chat, Intel. So you're asking, do you trade D'Lo playing like this? I say hell yes because why wasn't he doing this before? Well, here's the problem with D'Angelo Russell playing well. <laughs> The problem is he's the only other ball handler you have on this team. So if you do trade him, you have to get someone who can handle the ball, shoot like him, and hopefully play defense. Who is that guy? That's the question. Who is that guy? I don't know anyone that's out there that's going to be able to cover those things, at least not and not hard cap you. If and that's if that person's getting traded, who who's who's the guy? Murray's not the guy. Murray, guys, I'm telling you right now, and, and this is a Laker fan issue. We fall in love with one guy every year during the during during the trade deadline. You remember Ramon Sessions? You remember Ramon Sessions? Man, I could not stop hearing that guy's name for two weeks. Two weeks. I always use him as the example because they actually got him. It was two weeks of nothing but Ramon Sessions. This is the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy. And they actually got him. And guess what happened? Nothing. Nothing. It's 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 not. It, I'm telling you guys, the pressure in L.A. is huge. It changes your mental capacity to understand what you're doing it really does and you're just not you 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 are risking 
You are risking giving up capital because I know that somebody's going to want a first round pick. They're not just going to do a straight up trade. It's it's like this. It's like you're at, you're at a party. It's a, it's a hot, it's a really good party so far. Music's good. Conversations are good. And it's good alcohol. That being said, you have a few drinks. And one of your buddies says, Hey, See see that chick over there? She's been she's been watching you for the past 15 minutes. And you look up and you think, hmm, maybe I should go over there. And one of your buddies says this, Joe. Hold up. Hold up. She's out of your league, bro. She's out of your league. I know you I know you think you have a chance here because you think there might be some chemistry there, but really, she's just being nice because she's had a few too, and everybody gets a little flirtatious when they've had a couple of drinks, and so your reasoning and your logical brain shuts off, Joe, and the ape brain shows up. That's kind of what's happening with uh, some of our fellow Lakers fans. I like this team is not worth giving up a first round pick it's not it's not because people think this team is like so i'll go i'll use another another great great man shout out rest in peace kevin samuels so on a on a scale of one to ten five being average ten being like perfect what scale would you give the lakers right now i give them a five Scale, for, scale to do what? Like just like a scale, like a like just like a um um. It's more of a I forget what the word is, but it's just it's a it's a denotion of of um of um you know basically how like attractive a woman would be. That's that's what he uses. So based five, yeah, yeah, five we're makes five. Sense. We're a five. They're, they're five hundred team, yeah. basically. So five makes sense. Yeah. So Kurt Affair, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the flip. I'm gonna do a De Niro here, and there's a flip side to that coin. So when it came to that particular scenario, the flirtation thing, or the what I used to call seek and destroy situation, <laughs> I was never told by any of my friends anything like that, Sean, because none of my friends could get a girl if they had a million dollars. They they had no game. Most of them had no game. A couple did, but most didn't. My thing is, I was a patient seeker. A lot of guys can't be patient. A lot of guys need their weasel waxed immediately. Patience, folks. Patience, which is the irony of that is I am very impatient in See, life. Joe, that that's why that's why that's why one day I gotta take you hunting because patience pays off in hunting too. Well, and, and that's you probably know, why it'll instead, work. That's why it'll of, work. Instead There's... of going instead of going after that first buck you see, you wait for that six foot seven, two hundred and eighty pound buck. The, the patience is 
in that scenario, sorry, eight twenty. The, the patients in those scenarios are vital to destroying it. Mm-hmm. So it's a different kind of patience, right? Just like when I tell you guys about how how uh, there's a good ego and there's a bad ego. So the bad ego is the guy or the girl who accomplishes or is seeking accomplishment at the at the the, the the cost of others, the the degrading of others. Mm-hmm. The good ego is the belief that you are the best and you're going to accomplish what you want to accomplish without the detriment of others around you. you know, if you're in a, if you want to do really good work, do a good job, do a good business, it's not at the cost of not seeing your children, not seeing your wife, not seeing your significant other, things like that. Now, it's very hard for some people, but that's where that plays. You know, what's uh, what's Nick Saban's wife's name again? Terry. Terry, right? Terry. So the diff. So Miss Nick's, Terry. So Miss Terry. That's what it was, Miss Terry. So Miss Terry knows. Nick Saban knows that this is the life that they live. Therefore, they made a conscious decision. She made a conscious decision knowing. And Tom Coughlin's wife as well. I remember they did a documentary about that. They know who their husbands are. Their husbands know who their wives are. And there was an understanding there. It, the, the hard work, the, the excellence that those guys created in their, in their profession had a balance because the other side knew. And... You know, it's something that if you want to look at, let's say, the Lakers. The Lakers have not had the capability of doing that. And it's not so much about ego. It's just the inability to understand. And I'm talking Genie, Rob, Ham, everyone, not just the players. There's a disconnect in so many areas here because neither have been able to find out or find that that connection and when you're not connected when you're not communicative when you're not talented enough and you're not setting up the the pins the right way you you get the result tonight was a very good description of who the lakers were very good description and i really believe had lebron played it would have played out the same way because it has played out the same way. What would have been the difference, Sean? Let's say the Lakers would have had a chance at a last-second shot with LeBron. Let's say that, you know, we're not going to say LeBron isn't a vital piece of the puzzle, right? So let's just say LeBron had played tonight. Maybe we have a chance at winning the game in the end. But what's happened most of the time when that's happened? Either LeBron passes it to the wrong guy, Either LeBron gets a crap call on a, on a play. LeBron maybe makes it. I don't know. It's just not a – it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. I haven't seen um, Heidi Klum's daughter. Oh, boy, oh, boy. You guys are about to get a very nice introduction to a beautiful woman. Yeah, I, I – I, 
I kind of start feeling like a dirty old man when I start to look at 21-year-olds, though. Giselle could use a few bacon chops. I don't know, man, guys. I don't know what you guys are looking at. Giselle's a gorgeous woman. Yeah, she is. I don't know what you guys, most of the people who fronted on that, I'm like, would you say no? I doubt it. Let's see here. Intel Wild, why Towns and Embiid going off on Kobe Day? Well, Embiid is, is on a tear right now. And he he looks like he's on a mission. And if he doesn't get hurt, and if if the Sixers make one move, i.e. somebody like a Alex Caruso, they're a problem. Because Nick Nurse is connecting. And Nick Nurse needs to be the information that you need to go look at on the difference between a bad coach and a really, really good coach. He is bringing out Embiid, who was already an MVP, and he is bringing out an all-time great now. And that's what you're seeing. And we need to support this, folks, because we need one more team to make sure the green turds don't win a championship. So I'm in support of Milwaukee getting better by bringing Doc Rivers, which Doc Rivers is a better coach than Griffin despite his issues. And I want Philly to be strong so that they can also be a barrier to the Celtics. It's going to be very, very important, guys, because this thing could get really bad. It could get really bad really quick if the Boston Celtics win the championship. It'll be worse. It'll be worse by 10 times. So that's that's the part that we need to... That's that's part of the the mojo we need to get together here to make sure that we're uh, you know we're we're on board with that uh, you know again Denver's going to be strong uh, if Denver's playing on all cylinders and they meet the, the Celtics in the finals <clears throat> I have a pretty good feeling that Denver would still win it but again you never know with injuries somebody could you know Jamal Murray might you know hurt a ankle or hurt a knee at the wrong time and then you're screwed. It's possible. I mean, yeah. if they pick up Bruce Brown again, they've got a pretty much complete team. They could. They they've already they already beat Boston, so. I, I is that true? That, is that true, Sheet? I mean, not that I keep up on uh, gossips, the love life, of, the gossips of love, lo, you know, the love life of, of people. But is that true? Or are you just saying that? I refuse to reconcile with Brady. He knows what he did, Sheet. <laughs> Welcome to In Touch, folks. We're here. On the Lakers fast okay. break. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Joe, it's – it's so perception isn't always reality sometimes. Um, are you a fan of Miles Davis? Uh, I know he is. Uh, not not really a fan, no. Okay. I don't really listen All right. to yeah. – Jazz music? I don't listen to jazz, no. Okay. I'm uh, I'm a big jazz, jazz fan. Um, you know, Miles is the king. Uh, great! Uh, one of the best albums. I heard he. I heard he was a terrible human being, though. Uh, great musician. Yeah, I mean, some, some. It's what you said, though. You you said this countless times before. It's like, if you want to be great at something, sometimes you got to be a prick, mm-hmm. and just be as 
horrible as possible to vent that. And that's kind of what happened with him. Regardless, Kind of Blue is uh, likely the greatest jazz album of all time. Anyway, Miles Davis worked with a lot of... uh, One of his favorite uh, albums that I love is Bitches Brew. Um, He wanted desperately to work with Jimi Hendrix, Joe, because he listened to Jimi Hendrix music and he's floored, enamored with... uh, with his uh not only just not only his composition but the but the way he used notes as almost like colors like that's kind of what Jimi hendrix described his music as i i see in color i don't really he couldn't read music he couldn't read music he learned how to play the guitar on a right left-handed a right a right-handed guitar upside down so that's kind of how genius he was that being said, couldn't read a lick of music, Joe. So, and this is Miles Davis, who went to the Juilliard School uh, in New York, which is the most prestigious musical school uh, in the United States of America. And when the, he first had a conversation with them, he was a bit uh, perturbed because he couldn't understand how somebody with that kind of genius knew dick about music. Like dick about notation, dick about reading it, dick about understanding rhythm. And despite all that, he still called him the mother, you know what? And when Miles Davis called you a mother, that was the height of compliment. It wasn't a diss. It was the height of compliment. But the Miles Davis went into that conversation thinking that because Jimmy was such a genius at what he did, that he must have been an incredible uh, student of music, and he wasn't. So it just goes to show that perception isn't reality. Yeah, it's uh, the the artist is a whack job thing is is in so many different areas, and I don't I don't. You look at someone like John Williams, though, uh, probably the arguably the greatest composer, definitely in movies ever. And you you hear nothing but good things, right? And again, I'm not asking them to be saints. I think it's more the fact that it's how you treat people, right? Uh, at the end of the day, if you treat people like trash, uh, it tends to kind of take away from your greatness. Uh, demanding greatness around you, that's a different thing. Um, but again, I Miles Davis, I, I've heard some really bad things about him, like, really really bad but as far as jazz you know i you look at uh, what was it that there was a scene in winning time when uh mckinley uh was describing the difference between jazz and classical music classical music was this like written note where you do this you do this you do this and then jazz was this you kind of adapted to what was going on. And if you had a feeling you wanted to go and hit, you you did, which is what he was doing is he was explaining what the, the standard offense was at that time, which is dribble, 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 get the ball to Kareem, wait for him to create position, hook shot. 22 seconds later, you make the shot, you go and do it well, again. Exactly. Um, jazz was get the ball and hit, hit and run. 
and then create as your as as the flow starts and and goes in and out. So it's a feel. It's jazz is all about feel rather yeah. than than yeah. rhythm. I, I, it's 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 a you 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 look at that you you correlate it with let's say what's going on now with the Lakers and what's what's the best description of of LA when you when you put it in with music what what are they doing are they is it just a bunch of crazy I don't know it's metal bad, rock it's, like it's what, what bad it? punk it's bad punk the kind of the kind of uh heavy metal where the guy sounds like he's screaming the whole time yeah, um, yeah sort of it'd be well, like i used to call it skinhead rock it'd be like the if the sex pistols didn't have johnny rotten that that's what the lakers would be right now they'd be just this horribly sounding shit storm shit parade yeah and it's uh you know i i don't know i I just feel like I'm repeating myself over and over again. It's well, it almost it almost it almost feels like you're kind of preparing for the inevitable, Joe. It is. It is the inevitable. The inevitable is we're gonna be. I would I would predict we're going to be a playing team again, and I'm curious on. I'm curious a little on whether we'll make it out this time. That's actually what's been going through my head. Are we going to lose this time in the plan? Yes. To like to like the Jazz or something. But the, uh, like we were looking at the the standings tonight. Those three teams: the Kings, the Mavs, the Jazz. Even though we beat the Mavs and played them played them tough a couple times, I still don't like that matchup because you really. Quite honestly, you really don't have a defender that can really stalk Luca for 44, 45 minutes. And we just don't have the requisite offense to try and um, match or or try and stay in in step with Kyrie Irving as well. Plus, they the Mavs are going to make a move or two here, too. Yeah, it's it's they, it's uh, they, the Adelsons. The Adelsons bought them, uh, and Cuban likely told them, "You see, you see what the the Suns are doing. Do you see what the Warriors are doing. Do you see what the Clippers are doing? If I get the Adelsons' money, we could do that too." Yeah, I, I, I just, it's the heart. It's this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Somebody was talking about Wolf of Wall Street earlier today, so I kept going. Mm-hmm. 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 <sighs> you so like that, are... Gerald, didn't you? See, Gerald started laughing already. <laughs> Actually, that's me. Is that you? Oh, good, good. That's, that's good. me. That's okay, me. Good. No, I. Uh, it, it's. I guess I'm trying to figure out. How to put together our is anyone doing what we're doing here with the with the Lakers stuff? Is any or, or is everyone putting together scenarios and staying on this this positivity? 
I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I don't pay attention to most of the shows out there. So I'd like to know: Are we the only I, ones I think it's, it's, that are putting a stake on our own team right now? I think it's codified. Uh, the, the way I describe it is, I think it's codified paralysis by positivity. It's it's people trying to paralyze themselves with positivity. You know, eventually you're going to anesthetize yourself. And you're not going to really know the difference between what you're feeling and what you're seeing. That's how, you know what they call that, Joseph? Delusion. <laughs> uh, delusion. That's funny. Uh, oh, man. I think the sad part, really, honestly, is we've, we've wait, they've wasted a, another year. Another one, another and one. The tragedy in it, the tragedy is I, that's four I count in the LeBron. And and, 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 and and you know what it was? You know what it is too? You, you know what it is? I, I, I was supporting because of this positivity bullshit. I was the Westbrook trade. Uh, them deciding to go with THT instead of Caruso. I was saying, you know what? THT is 20 years old. Caruso is 27. That's seven years more if this guy continues to improve. You know, I was on that positivity train. I was. I was trying to be positive. I was trying to be supportive. I really was. So you can't go back. You can't come back at me and say, hey, man, why are you always negative? Not that it would matter, but you can't. You can go look at the shows. We were, I remember I was talking about it. And we were there to support the team, which is good because if the team came back at us, let's say when we're big and famous, we can say, hey, we were supporting you. Even though Gerald knew that the Westbrook trade was bad, I was like, you know what? Maybe Westbrook as a third option might be a good solution. We were wrong. THT, seven years younger than Caruso. We're going to invest in him. Okay. I that Seven years is a long time. And maybe this guy is going to continue to improve. We were wrong. Where it changed, really, where it really changed, and for me, like, really got to a point where I was like, man, what the hell are these guys doing? Was JHS in the draft. What? What? And I'm like, what? What are you doing? You need a guy that can play right now. You needed a a guy that you didn't have to go get and gut your team that could help you a little bit. And they could. By the way, and by the way, Joe, the Indiana Hoosiers are terrible, and they've been a terrible college team for the, really the past 20 years. And that's more looking more and more an indictment of, you know, like you said, blinded by the light. Palinka is just a big 10 guy. And uh, he just, he's blinded by like what looks like obvious talent, which is really me- a smoke screen. I mean, that kid had so much talent around him on that Indiana team. He, and he played in a very archaic offense. And it sh- it shows because he's not prepared for the NBA game. He's just, he's not prepared. 
And what's sad is that's what you heard before the draft and after, that this guy has this work ethic, that they were impressed with this work ethic. And I came back with a response, if you want choir boys, go to church. I want ball players, ball players that have attitudes if they're good, especially if they're good. They have an attitude. They suck. That's a different story. Do, do you know what? Do you know what convinced Sam Presti to draft Russell Westbrook, Joe? What? So, Presti was basically considering three players, and everybody can make, can look at the draft and see which the other two. It doesn't. It's not important. The reason why he chose Russell Westbrook ultimately was had nothing to do with with his talent. So Presty was going to uh, an in, uh, uh, a tournament, and it was in L.A. I forget where. I think it, I think it might have been in uh, Redondo Beach. And he waited. He got at the tournament started at eight o'clock. He got there at five in the morning, and he was doing work in his car. And he sees his car pull up. At six o'clock, and it's Russell Westbrook, and he's in a he's in a car with his mom, his dad, and his brother and his sister, and he, he was just casually observing what was going on, right? Because they had at that point in time they had no idea who Sam Presti was, never met the guy before, so Presti observes that Russ gets out of gets out of the car. He helps his dad unload the back the back of the truck, right? Cooler, blankets, all of it. Uh, he helps his he helps his brother tie his shoes. Uh, plays with his sister for about twenty minutes, like hopscotch and that. And that's when Presley knew I got to sign this guy. I got to drop this guy because his personality was more just as important to Presty as his performance on the court. And I think that's kind of what separates Presti from a lot of just pretty much every other executive except at my at Sands, you know, maybe Buford and, and Riles. Uh, certain guys see a fit, a philosophy, more so in the, they're more important about can this person intertwine themselves in the culture I'm trying to build off the court, more importantly than on the court, because I need leaders. I can roll with that, but sometimes that can be a negative too. And I'll give you an example. Mike Nolan, coach of the San Francisco 49ers, 2005. Aaron Rodgers is in the draft. Alex Smith goes first. Alex Smith was the nice guy, the team guy. The guy that you could tell was going to be a cool person. And you saw the difference. That that part never, that doesn't always work in your favor. In the NBA, especially, you can get away with it in the NFL, depending on the particular player, because you can draft stars late. It's very, very, very rare to to draft a Jokic. Jokic is the greatest 
second round pick in the history of the NBA. Yeah, mile. definitely. He's he, like he, he. Well, I wouldn't say by a mile. I'd say Manu's pretty close to him. I Manu was never close to an MVP, and you have a two-time MVP here. He should. But I he, get it. I get it. He should have won a Finals MVP. Very he, true. In uh, 2005. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. So with that, if I'm drafting, if I'm in charge of the draft, there is some analyzing of the extracurricular stuff. And a lot of times it's hard to really gauge that. Uh, to me, I prefer to do what Tom Landry liked to do, unless it's overt. Tom Landry, no matter what, no matter what, always picked the best player available. And that's in the NFL. It didn't matter. And I, I'm a big believer in, 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 in that. And, and my team, my, the Steelers, I remember their draft selections. Typically what they would do is they would lean on a little bit of need when it came to the first-round pick. Gabe Rivera they, over Dan Marino. So Gabe Rivera, I'll tell you the story on this. And this comes from the Yinzers that I talked to when I was in college. So Gabe Rivera, they picked him because they felt like, and he was a stud, by the way. Yes, he, he was. was. Yes, he was. This guy was catching uh, receivers from behind. That's yes. how talented he was, right? Yeah. They Close, thought losing speed off the charts. Absolutely. They were. They were. They were thinking, "Hey, we started our dynasty in the seventies with a defensive tackle. We're going to do it again here in nineteen eighty-three. Now, why? Why in nineteen eighty-three when you have arguably even at that time the Best set of quarterbacks coming out that the NFL had ever seen. John and Elway, Ken O'Brien, Todd Blackledge, Ken o- Todd Blackledge, Todd Blackledge, Ken O'Brien, Dan Marino, John Elway, Jim Kelly. You were talking about the creme de la creme at that time, right? And Blackledge wasn't good, obviously. Ken O'Brien was decent, and then everyone else was a Hall of Famer. The the discussions around that time about Dan Marino, Dan Marino, Central Catholic High School, University of Pitt. Dan Marino liked the nose Party. candy, apparently. I couldn't help but find the irony in him being drafted by Miami, by the way. Mm-hmm. But at the time, Terry Bradshaw was going into his 14th 14th and it was coming to an end. We At that time, no one really played 15, 16, 17 years. So they knew Terry's career was about to come to an end. So they had the ability, they had the, they had the ability to, to draft Dan Marino. But instead, they decided that they wanted to go with Gabe Rivera. 
and try to do limit, you know, try to duplicate what they did with Joe Green in 1969. And of course, Gabe Rivera gets into a car accident, gets paralyzed, and that's the end of that. Then, and this is the part that hurts, Sean. A year later, Dan Marino at that time was a freak of nature. He he became a starting quarterback, I think, six games in. It might, it might have been six or seven. Six games into to the 83 season and absolutely was torching everybody. And then, of course, had the record-setting second-year season where he went to the Super Bowl. You know who they met in the AFC Championship game that year? With Mark Malone at quarterback? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers. Now imagine, imagine this. To me, that 84 San Francisco team was the best San Francisco team uh, in, in all of their, their title teams, right? They lost that year to the Steelers on a, on a bad call, by the way. On a bad call. <laughs> they should have went undefeated. But the Steelers beat the Niners that year. The Steelers with Mark Malone. If you know anything about Mark Malone, by the way, great man. Looks like looked like Tom Selleck's twin brother, right? Like had the looks, had the voice. Great dude, great guy, great, terrible quarterback. The Steelers went to the AFC Championship game with Mark Malone to play Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins, and all I can think about is. What the hell do the Steelers do if you switch quarterbacks? Do they beat the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl? Maybe. So now, fast forward. Let's say they don't. Let's say San Francisco beats them in a last-second drive. right? Whatever. The issue with not drafting Marino wasn't until the 90s where it really hurt. Because the Steelers had some of the most amazing defenses between 1993 and 1997. Except you had Neil O'Donnell as your Except quarterback. Except you had Neil O'Donnell <laughs> and Cordell Stewart <laughs> and Mike Tomczak in that, that that window. And it was it wasn't until later. When you, you know, my my knowledge of the NFL obviously grew as high school came about. And as I started, I did a huge paper on the NFL. There, there are a couple of photos of me wearing a slash jersey, Joe. Huff, and it was great, man. You know, Cordell, Cordell was he, he a, was, was a, he was a, he was at he that was, time, Joe, when he played for the Colorado Buffaloes, he was the most popular college athlete. At that time, and he was a fun player to watch. Just imagine uh, Lamar Jackson playing uh, receiver, running back, and quarterback. It, it was the same thing in a lot of ways. And you're, I'm sta- I'm standing there. I remember I was standing watching Super Bowl Thirty, and Levon Kirkland just sacked Troy Aikman, and he did one of the like, like, and they had the punt, and it's 2017. Bill Cower is coaching Barry Switzer out out of Arizona at this point. And I'm going, Neil O'Donnell came back how many times that year? I go, we're going to win this son of a gun. We're going to win. We're going to win this. We're going to beat Dallas. (laughs) Gives the ball to Larry Brown again. He had to mention Larry Brown, huh? 
Yeah, well, <laughs> Larry Baum killed both our teams in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've still got to live with Desmond Howard too. Yeah, uh, it, it's 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 just it it's heartbreaking. But they Al Al, Al Davis was a simp for for Super Bowl MVPs. He really was. Yeah, his 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 decision making in the '90s was really 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 bad. Uh, Rich Gannon saved them at the beginning of the 2000s that was something that kind of fell in his lap and rich gannon happened to be that that jim plunkett you know guy where he never really got a chance or he didn't work out in certain places and until god 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 rest his soul tony saragusa put an end to rich gannon so guys you're getting a good look at what how my brain works. I think more about the losses than the wins. Because I should be happy, right, Sean? I mean, I, I didn't I didn't grow up. I was too young to see the skin. Yeah, curtain. but you're you're right in the overall uh, scheme of things, Joe. I mean, sick <clears throat> as much in sports success is is fleeting at best. Yeah. And, and and I I had the luxury. I'll have the luxury and I I want to I want to end the football discussion here soon here because I do want to get to the uh, the current the the, the newly crowned uh, Hall of Famers uh, uh, Todd Helton Joe Maurer and uh, Adrian Beltre I have I have a couple things I want to say about that and then I'll end it on on of course uh, the Lakers here since it's a Lakers recap right but I know some of you guys want to listen to some of the things so we like to do that but um, I, I I I the more and more I I I see certain ex-Steeler players from the 2000s, the more I really, really appreciate and I'm thankful that I was able to at least see the my dynasty. That's not a dynasty, but my dynasty of Steelers because watching Troy Polamalu, Heinz Ward, James Harrison, James Ferrier, Lamar Woodley, Aaron Smith, Ben Roethlisberger, Jerome Bettis, man, my God, they gave me such um, just amazing joy, just amazing joy. At, Brett, at Ke- much... Brett, Brett Kiesel had a beard that would. Brett make... Kiesel was amazing. Yeah, that Big that beard. Snack, would... Casey Hampton was amazing. I mean, the beard would make Grizzly player, Adams blush. Every that beard player. would make Grizzly Adams blush. Seriously, those guys loved each other, man. They loved each other. They're doing podcasts now. And they talk about th- that those times, and I'm just like, this is why these guys were so freaking awesome. And I'm just so happy that they were able to be not, j- you know, they didn't just win one. You know, they won two Super Bowls with the three. They deserved it. They and they they had to go through that damn Belichick Brady era too, and they still were able to accomplish what they accomplished. And I was just, I'm just happy that I believe I'm in total believing in this that I, I saw the last of the great football games. I don't think we'll ever see football games like that again. I I saw the greatest football game that I'll ever see, and that's the 2008-2009 AFC Championship game. That was the last. That was That game will never, ever be played again, no matter what, for the rest of our lives. It was a game that if God came down from heaven, and said, Joe, what is the one thing that's not involving family, 
or anything personal? What's the one thing you would want to do in your life? I said, God, I want to play in the 2008-2009 AFC Championship game. That would that would be it. For those of you who don't know, I love football. I wanted to play football in the NFL. I wanted that was I, I I if I could do it now, I'd still do it. The football field is the only place that I've ever been in where I didn't want to leave. And it's it's just, you know. it's sad what football has turned into, unfortunately. And I know that a lot of it was because they're trying to save the players from themselves. But at the same time, what makes football special is, 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 is the violence. And I, I love controlled violence. I am a violent person in my head. (laughs) Controlled. (laughs) So with that, um, I'm going to segue here, uh, unless some guys, okay, so with the jury style of play, are you writing these or is Gerald writing these? No, it's me. So they're trying to avoid losses. They don't care about the players. So she, yeah, the, the, the combination of that scumbag Roger Goodell, and, and, and the reason why he's a scumbag is he's the typical company line BSer where he'll say he cares about player safety. Yet they're always campaigning to put more games in, right? Which they have. They've added two games, two more games uh, to these guys' table, and they want to add one more. They're going to get game 18 at some point. So they care so much about player safety, they kept adding more games so that they can make more money, right? Um, I, I can't believe I'm talking about Roger. I don't want to talk about Roger Goodell. Oh no, it's 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 all good. It's all good. I so, mean, he he is he is exactly how you described him. Yeah. Uh, if you've if um if anyone's read um and watched a documentary on PBS, it's free by the way. It's called The League of Denial. It's a great documentary about uh, the concussions and CTE in football, and from Paul Tagliabue to Roger Goodell, they've definitely done a good job of covering up their their sins. It's exactly what uh, George Carlin talked about. Rich, wealthy people use euphemisms and broad language to conceal their sins. And that's what he does. You described him aptly, Joe. And it's sad because you you have to, as an audience, you buy into that. You know, I I, I hate to use this example because I I know people get very sensitive with politics, but it makes me itch, like I am right now, when people say God sent this particular candidate to us. Like, what the does that even mean? What are you talking about? Where does this thinking come from? So those same people buy into this company line garbage. Now, there's been some positives every now and then. Again, I don't want to go on negative all the time. When when uh No, no, was- no, Joe, he 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 uh, above all things, he's treated 
the retired NFL players like garbage. And he's, he's even treated the wives and widows of players worse than garbage. And shame on him. Yeah. And the hilarious part, this is, this was the hilarious part. The, you remember when they had the uh, breast cancer in October thing? Mm-hmm. Where everything was pink. Yeah. D'Angelo Williams for the Pittsburgh Steelers wanted to wear all pink because uh, every single woman in that family contracted breast cancer. I, and they refused his request to wear pink. They refused pink. his request because they couldn't make money off it, right? So check this out, guys. This is for you guys to understand. And then I'm going to get back to baseball and the Lakers baseball real quick and then the Lakers they found out and by the way this is normal for charities this isn't you know they didn't read they didn't invent the wheel this is how it works so anytime you guys get pressured into charities I've had this response a few times that people look at me like I'm the devil oh would you like to donate to something something I'm like no I don't I don't donate to any charities unless I'm directly involved in it and they'll look at me like what like yeah, I don't do that. I go, I know, I don't know where that money's going. So it turns out that ninety-two percent, ninety-two, all those pink towels, shoes, headbands, whatever the chin straps, whatever the hell they had that was pink, ninety-two percent of the proceeds that people paid for, they got those little clear bags so they can stick their crap in it so that they can see if there's not a weapon. Like all that garbage went to the NFL's pocket. 8% of that money went to breast cancer research. And when, of course, when that came out, they stopped doing it. And then right around that time, too, the NFL was known as a nonprofit organization. They got a lot of crap for that. You have to switch it out. This is what scumbag, these are the people that are destroying your lives, by the way, folks. And we're supporting it because we watch their product. So at the end of the day, when you're criticizing people, just know you got to look in the mirror. We're all part of the same BS. And we're all supporting it. The only way you don't support is not watching it. Then you have a say in it. So with that, I want to get to the Baseball Hall of Fame selection today. So Todd Helton, Joe Maher, and Adrian Beltre got inducted to the Hall of Fame today. I'm going to try to keep this simple. Scott Rowland got in last year. That was the biggest shock in terms of a Hall of Famer that that I can remember. Do you think anyone ever feared Scott Rowland? No. Did anybody fear Adrian Beltre? No. Did anyone fear Joe Maurer? No. Even Did anyone fear name. Todd Helton outside Colorado? No. No. So, Adrian Beltre has a little bit of some room. He had 3,000 hits, almost 500 home runs. Baseball is a numbers game. Okay. All right, I'll I'll roll with that one. Todd Helton mm, didn't win an MVP. 
think his best showing was top five. Yeah, he batted 316, but most of that was in Colorado. Um, his war was 61.8. Is that particularly great? 369 home runs. OPS 953. Joe Maurer at least won him MVP. MVP. Arguably the best hitting catcher of all time. One, I think he won the uh, batting title three times. Mm-hmm. But what is your definition of Hall of Famer? Because right now, it's looking like all the Hall of Fames, and I'm not going to say anything about the NBA. They've always been trash in terms of picking Hall of Famers. But, boy, the mm-hmm. NFL and Major League Baseball. Except for Tom Chambers and Antoine Jameson, who actually deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, – I'm not, I'm not feeling it, Sean. I'm sorry. None of these guys they're, are they're the only Scott, two guys. The last four Hall of Famers are not Hall of Famers to me. They're the only two guys to score over 20,000 points who aren't in the Hall of Fame, Joe. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute here. I got to answer some questions here. Joe Ingles. Hey, Joe, uh, about this one trade, Gabe Prince. Hold on a second here. I got to get back to basketball. I feel like I'm doing a disservice to our crew here. Gabe Prince Hayes for Bruce Brown. That trade would never happen, uh Joe, unfortunately, I don't think unless you sent Messiah three first round picks, there's no way they're making that trade. Uh, Thanks, Sheet, again for the uh, super chat. Let's see what the number is. Tristan Thompson suspended 25 games for growth hormone. Eh, That makes sense. This year is a lackluster for baseball. I agree. Um, I don't I don't think Antoine's a Hall of Famer. I don't care if he had 20,000 points. Uh, Tom Chambers, not Hall of Famer. Uh, I, I'm strict, but I'm, I'm a dick with it. I'm a, I'm a jerk with that stuff. To me, if you have to ask the question, you're not Hall of Fame. I mean, it's got to be definite. But the Hall of Fame is a business. That's why they're probably starting to let these guys in a lot more. Um, as much as I love Bill Cowher, he wasn't a Hall of Fame coach. Tony Dungy wasn't a Hall of Fame coach. Jimmy Johnson did not coach enough to be a Hall of Fame coach. So that's where I stand on that. Um, Blood, eventually the Raptors will move Scotty Barnes to the power forward role. It's just a matter of time. Uh, yeah, basketball, but co- doesn't college basketball, doesn't, no, actually, they're all one one Hall of Fame, right? There's no college Hall There's of Fame. There's the Naismith right? Basketball Hall of Fame, yeah. yeah okay. They're not testing the James. Let's see, NBA's to catch. Where are we here? Uh... The NBA, people every once in a while to make the illusion that they actually test for gear. Uh, you know, if there's one sport where PEDs is, yeah, it's probably basketball. Uh, obviously, PEDs generally are taken for recovery. A lot of people who are not in the know there. Uh, forget that because there's different type of PEDs, obviously different type of steroids that do different things, but ultimately it's the recovery. And the reason why it was so good for baseball uh, is usually baseball players. I remember when I was growing up, there was always going to, there was always one guy here and there that would start creeping into Roger Maris's 61, like at, at the end of July where they're like sitting at 40, 42, 43 home runs. And then you're asking, hey, are they going to be able to, you know, get the 61? 
And what happens is August hits where it gets really hot and you're tired. Then they start to falter. Then Sammy Sosa in 1998 and Mark McGuire came into the picture and they start hitting more home runs in August and September than they did in July and June. <laughs> and that opened up a whole new, uh, whole can new of kind worms, of, yeah, yeah. can of worms. Uh, so yeah, uh, baseball's kind of screwed right now because of the steroid thing. I wonder if that's probably why they've had to get to the point where they're letting in guys that are, in my book, just very good players. It's because they can't allow Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, or any of these guys to get in anymore. And that's just what that is. Um, you know, she, Tony Dungy didn't get robbed uh, from the Tampa title. Gruden, th- that was the, the, the stars aligning. You know, if Gruden doesn't go to Tampa, I don't believe Tampa wins a title in 2 And by them playing the Raiders, that really helped them. I believe if Gruden, if Al Davis doesn't make that mistake and not value Gruden and let Gruden play, stay in Oakland, I, I, I believe that Oakland would have won the Super Bowl in 2002. I, I truly believe that. And Dungy was uh, – I'm sorry, folks. I, I, I was not I, impressed. I got to disagree with you, Joe, uh, only in this sense. Barrett Robbins is going to go crazy whether or not Gruden was there or not, and that completely decimated that locker room. Yeah, you're probably right. But I, I, I like the thing because you that... play, you play, you played center, you played center. You understand how invaluable. Like to me, it's it's the second most important position on the field. No, you're right because uh, Marquise Pouncey got hurt in the AFC Championship game in 2010, 2011, and the Steelers struggled, especially in the first half. They got they got penetration up the middle and. The, the 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 bad interception that happened and that towards the end zone uh, ended up that was probably the play that really ended ended up costing the Steelers a Super Bowl that year. So yeah, no, absolutely, I believe the center position because the center position the center calls the plays in a lot of ways. He calls the you know I, I was calling the play you call the plays at the line, and when you call the plays correctly, the the, the right blocking scheme is everything and when i was well, playing what was, yeah and what was really telling about that season joe is that his coach bill callahan played offensive line and knew the offensive line inside and out and robbins actually had a really bounce back season and just went loco uh petting my cat i don't agree with that by the way i don't agree with steroids in sports because if you if you need any evidence on why, I want you to pay attention to the if you want to pay attention to the the current Instagram culture and the current meatheads, including women, that are on massive amounts of gear, they're dropping like flies. Their existence is predicated on clicks and views of dudes who masturbate to them. 
those guys that are big, those guys that are, you know, big, you think you think women are hitting those guys up? Women don't like too much muscle. They're not into that stuff. They're into normal looking dudes. The guys that are obsessed with the big, big dudes is usually another dude. And that's 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 a that's a that's the motivation, right? That's what's going on there. And it's it's not good. I don't support steroids in sports because you're gonna have those guys like Mark Grace who had to watch Rafael Palmero because Rafael Palmero is probably a lesser Mark Grace without steroids. Well, I always found it interesting how, you know, um, let's just be frank. Uh, anyone like 5'8", five, 5'7", five, under, anytime they would like be a workout warrior, they, they, would, they would still look like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, like they, like those those small guys who work out like crazy, just end up looking like a bulkier version of a smaller man. Well, the 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 the, the <laughs> bodybuilding is 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 the guys who are competing. The the they're able to pack on more muscle. The shorter they are, it looks fuller when you're shorter. That's the reason why you see most of the guys at five seven, five eight. Typically, uh, when you when you're too tall, things don't look as full. You look sometimes too lanky, and things don't round out as much when you're when you're tall. Uh, the The classic division has become very very popular now. Uh, there's a gentleman named Chris Bumstead. He's He's the modern day Arnold and people love him because he's a very down to earth guy. And of course, Sean, I don't know what it is with you Canadians, but you guys seem to, you guys seem to like produce a lot of talent. I mean, we were talking about John Candy and Martin Short and uh, that whole second city crew, right? They're all Canadian. And Eugene Levy, Eugene, a lot of just talented people come out of Canada. Uh, I don't think we Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, everyone. Uh, and there's a way to see. He's one of the guys. He obviously, he obviously has to be. You know, he's on gear. He's admitted it because you can't compete in that world without it. But he happens to be one of those guys that has a level head and and isn't isn't a meathead. However, he has chronicled that he has health issues he's got kidney issues so there's a huge price there's a huge price and if we care if we don't want these guys croaking at 50 when they're playing football i'd like to you know i don't i don't i don't think using juice is going to help that either uh juice is a scary thing i was this close many times of doing a cycle but i the problem with doing steroids is number one it does weird things to your body immediately and then down the road you have to replenish things artificially i don't like that i don't like drugs i don't like drugs in general bob bob bitch tits yeah the other thing is well you can avoid that if you're smart well bob didn't yeah right (laughs) Uh, but the other the the main problem was by the way wasn't don't you consider meatloaf 
like an underrated actor? I, I only saw him in that movie. He's been in a few more. Usually, good. Usually, any entertainer is going to have the ability. I thought, I thought the uh, uh, Keith Richards in the pirate movie was amazing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't mm-hmm. like. I'm, I'm somebody. Is that Keith Richards? Mm-hmm. Like this son of a gun can mm-hmm. act. Uh, yeah. It's 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 the when you do things that are not natural, you you always you always get the, sh- the, the, you know, what end of the stick later. And it's, it's okay. I'm going to get this look, but then what happens when I'm off it? Then you're, you're going to, you're going to be obsessed to get it back and you're going to keep taking it and keep taking it and keep taking it. It's just, it's not worth it in the end. Just eat really, really well, work out hard, do what, do what Hugh Jackman's doing. And even, even what he's done with all the stress that he's done to his body, he, uh, He's 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 messed up, you know, just limbs and and and, and ligaments. But um, with that, I think I'm going to segue back into the Lakers here. Uh, Sean, the Lakers are going to play Chicago on uh, Thursday. Uh, they could win, they could lose. Uh, it's not going. It's going to feel the same to me at this point. And then we're going to really find out during their six game road trip. If these guys could grow a pair at some point, they'd have to grow a pair here for for us to be wrong and finally like turn the corner. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't unfortunately see that. I don't see it either, Joe. So yeah, so so we're we're we'll 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 be talking more about the Chicago game here in a couple tomorrow and, and obviously the day of, I want to thank everyone for being here for the nightcap. I know we went a little over than normal, but um, again, we're enjoying the, the discussion here. We're, we're, we're tinkering a little here and there guys. I'm, I'm hoping to put some production value here so that we can make things a little bit more interesting. And Joe, and- we're going to teach our audience and the internet at large the proper way of smoking a cigar. Oh well, hey, look, that's a that we're gonna have to go outside it's, on one it's of these a, shows. It's a tutorial. It's yeah. a tutorial because one of the I've been smoking cigars for a little over twenty one years. One of the worst pieces of advice you will ever receive about smoking a cigar is don't inhale. If anyone has ever told you that, they are full of it. They don't know what they're talking about. They bought a rinky-dink humidor from a dime store, convenience store, and that $4 cigar cutter you got is about what your brain is worth, giving that kind of advice. What you do is you retro-inhale. Hold the smoke in your mouth. And use your nose to exhale. That's the proper way to smoke a premium cigar. And I will give a tutorial with my good friend, Joe Soro. And we will smoke one together on the show. I'm going to try to set set everything up outside here, hopefully on a, on, a, on maybe a, a, an afternoon maybe so that we can actually... Uh... Oh, actually, you know what? When it gets... 
back I'll to, be visiting California soon. That that so. would that would work perfect. Uh, so by the time you get here, uh, hopefully the time change will get us back to sunlight around seven or eight. So we'll do an evening show. We'll have some good drinks. We'll have some good drinks, a whiskey, a scotch, whatever it is that you'd like, and a cigar. And we'll discuss sports, Lakers. Gary, you're wrong. Yes, it is. Don't don't confuse cigars with weed, bro. And don't even insult me with that kind of that Look, kind man, of talk. I you don't I've, know what you're talking about, Gary. I've right? made I've made mistakes inhaling a cigar. It is a terrible feeling. You know, you accidentally, you know, from no, you don't use your lungs. You retro. Well, it's from like if you laugh, it's an accident, right? Like I've 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 had a cigar and somebody said something you and pull, I laughed, and, oh, and that's shoot. it, right? It's yeah, bad. The, it's self-control. That's what we're going to teach people. Yeah. It's all about it's all about the pull. You pull, you hold, you retro. That's it. I'm looking forward to it, Sean. I can't wait. And uh, until then, I want to thank everyone again for being here for the Lakers nightcap. We're going to continue to do the shows after the after every game as much as we can. And I'm going to try to figure out maybe a morning show. I know some of you guys have requested for Morning Joe or. What was the other one you said, Sean? Joe something? Cup of Joe. Cup of Joe. Uh, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'll I'll act like I do if that helps. But in the meantime, again, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Next time. Have a great evening. Be safe. And Sean, you got to go get some sleep because it's almost 4 a.m. in your area. Take care, guys.